Now, for those that have been here on Monday, you will know that we dealt with the topic. This was last night's God's people are born. God's people are broken would have been Monday night's subject. And tonight, and I did say we are probably not go down this line, but we are going down this line. God's people are beneficiaries. In other words, we receive blessing from the hand of the God who does provide all things for us. And having said that, you'll know exactly where we're pitching in in the chapter tonight that we've read from in Genesis and the chapter 22. It's the verse 14. And all that he fulfilled might see the travail of a soul in me, and with his work contented be as I with my dear Savior. That plea, recognizable as one of our hymns, was offered by Dora Greenwell. And the hymn was, I am not skilled to understand. That earnest petition that she sends up out of one section of the hymn, that Christ would, as he looked down upon her, see the results of the travail of a soul upon the cross, see himself being formed in her. That's an echo of the old prophet Isaiah. Because in Isaiah 53 and verse 11, what do we read? He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. So the challenge to you and to me always is, is he satisfied with me? Is he gladdened by the way in which we endure afflictions and pass through trials, resting on a strength and working always for his glory? And talking about trials, we have a huge trial that is set out before us here in Genesis chapter 22, the trial of Abraham's faith. Now, this test that God put Abraham to was not so much a test that was designed to produce faith in Abraham, but rather to present the faith that Abraham already had. That faith wasn't something manufactured by the man. God had built Abraham slowly, piece by piece, year by year. And he had built him into a man of faith so that he becomes one of the heroes of faith of which we read in Hebrews chapter 11. But the test that we're looking at in Genesis 22 would reveal some of the faith that God had built into, given to his servant Abraham. You'll notice from the opening verse that Abraham was very fast in answering the call of God. Wonderful example of how a man or woman of faith should respond whenever God comes knocking. He says immediately, behold, here I am. And when he said that, it meant that he was ready to be taught, he was ready to obey, he was ready to yield to whatever God's plan and will was, and he was ready at this time to be subjected to God's test and examined by him. Now, every phrase, as God builds up the test and build up that test he did, every phrase that God uses here, commanding Abraham to do this, to do that, to do the other, it was like a knife going into him. You could not have measured the cut any more precisely than what God did. Take now your son, 
your only son, Isaac, the son whom you love, offered him here, offered him as a burnt offering. Not as an offering that was going to be burned alive, but one where the life was first taken by sacrifice, and then that body completely burnt up in the presence of the Lord. Now, given the scale of the trial, no wonder Charles Haddon Spurgeon commented, I cannot imagine a greater test than that which the Lord applied to Abraham. The Jews, he said, usually say that Abraham was tried ten times. Surely, Spurgeon said, on this occasion, he was tried ten times in one. And there was another level of difficulty in the test. And that additional level of difficulty was, it seemed to cut across the previous promise that God had made to Abraham, because if you just go back one chapter to Genesis 21, the verse 12, you'll find that God had promised to him in Isaac, shall thy seed be called. And so the line was to develop through Isaac. Now, did that not seem so strange right now, and even contradictory, to actually kill the son who was that fundamental part of the promise to carry on the covenant when as yet it hadn't been fulfilled in him at all. It seemed as if God commanded Abraham to take the promise that I have given you and just put it into the shredder. That promise will not now be fulfilled. Change of plan. Well, we're all familiar with the history of what happened here, and we'll not labor the point and stretch out the time by sketching in a history that we're all very familiar with in Genesis chapter 22. But this point should be emphasized. While the Lord revealed Himself to Abraham in so many ways, no revelation given to this man Abraham was more delightful, more instructive, than what he found right now in the name by which God revealed Himself to Abraham on Mount Moriah, that name being Jehovah-Jireh, Genesis 22, the verse 14, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Look down the margin of your Bible, you'll probably have more than one meaning of the word Jehovah-Jireh. There will be alternatives, I would imagine. And when you look into the word and look at the text here in Genesis 22, 14 itself, you'll find this expression, this name, Jehovah-Jireh, might be translated three ways. The Lord will see. The Lord will provide. And in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen, the Lord will be seen. No matter how the name is translated, it expresses this idea, God seeing and being seen. For God to see is to provide. And by this name, Jehovah Jireh, the Father would have us known that He sees our need, and having seen it, He faithfully provides for that need. 
that he'll be seen as well in the provision that he makes for us. Now, that should encourage our hearts, and not long ago we were thinking of that expression in the model prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And we can trust his daily providence. But the thing that inspired Abraham here to raise up the memorial to the honor of God was the substitution of the ram to die in the place of a son Isaac, and therefore Isaac's deliverance from death. The Lord did provide for him that day. And this is the name, Jehovah Jireh, that points us to God's saving grace in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Some quick points. Number one, recognition. The Lord will see. So we're taking the alternative meanings of the name. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will see. It talks about recognition here. And our Father, we know from eternity, He saw the deep pit of absolute need into which we would fall by the sin of Adam in the garden, and we'd fall in by our own sin and transgression and iniquity in time. And with the foresight of divine love, what did He do? He provided a Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as our substitute in the great covenant of grace. Then when the fullness of the time was come, the page was turned in the calendar of God for Jesus to arrive on earth. Galatians 4, the verse 4 and the verse 5. God met our need by sending His Son to die ultimately on Calvary. When God then by His Spirit began to work in us, He created a need, the feeling of need, a consciousness of need within our hearts for Christ. Nothing that we had naturally, He created that, and then He caused us to seek Him for the fulfillment of that need. He sent a Son to us. And today, by His free and sovereign grace, what He does is He still sees where we are, the Lord will see. He sees the needs we have. He notes all of them, and He gives His Son to meet each of those who need Him. So we have the thought of recognition here. In Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will see. We have a second thought, replenishment. The Lord will not only see, but He will provide to see, we've said already, is for Him to provide. The Lord will provide. Notice something here. Abraham didn't name the place. In reference to what his personal issue was, he didn't name it, for example, Mount Trial, or this is Mount Agony, or this is Mount Obedience. Instead, Rather than naming the place in relation to himself immediately, what he did was he named the place in reference to what God did. And so it's Mount Provision, Jehovah Jireh, named it knowing God would provide the ultimate sacrifice for salvation for sinners on that same hill or that set of hills, Moriah, someday. Abraham, later Moses, 
recognized God did provide, and it pointed to that ultimate sacrifice that God would give Himself for our sin. Again, we quote Spurgeon. He put it like this, God provided a ram instead of Isaac. This was sufficient for the occasion as a type, but that which was typified by the ram is infinitely more glorious. In order to save us, God provided God. I cannot put it more simply, Spurgeon said. He did not provide an angel, nor a mere man, but God Himself. Jehovah Jireh, naming the place, was Abraham's testimony to the goodness and to the grace of God that had met him there in providing a ram to die in Isaac's place. And it's our testimony of praise to God for providing Christ to be our substitute. I think of Romans 8 and verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Earlier, as they go up the Mount, Isaac turned and asked the question, where's the sacrifice? Abraham responds, God will provide himself a lamb, 22 and 8. And in naming the place, Jehovah Jireh, and again, yes, I've been reading Spurgeon today, that much should be very obvious by now. Abraham says nothing about himself at all. But the praise is unto God who sees and is seen. The record is Jehovah will provide. And Spurgeon says, I like that, self-ignoring. And I pray that we also may have so much strength of faith that self may go to the wall. Wouldn't that be a good thing this year in 2023? That we would have so much strength of faith that like Abraham here, self would go to the wall, and that we wouldn't be doing things so that, oh, isn't he great? Isn't she wonderful? But isn't God so good and so gracious and so beneficial to us? Because all you may need, as we've been singing, he will provide. God will take care of you. Trust him, and you will be satisfied. God will take care of you. So, in the name Jehovah Jireh, we have recognition, the Lord will see. We have replenishment, the Lord will provide. And we have revelation, the Lord Himself will be seen. Look at Genesis 22, 14 again. Jehovah Jireh, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen, or He shall be seen. God is seen in the sacrifice of a son on Mount Calvary. If I want to see his love, where do I look? I look to the cross, and there I see God's heart on that tree. And God shall be seen face to face one day through his provision for our eyes at last, we've been singing that recently when we've sung carols, our eyes at last shall see Him through His own redeeming love, Christ Jesus, upon Mount Zion in heaven. 
I think of what it is said they see in Revelation 7. Verse 16 and 17, they shall hunger no more. God's still providing. Neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat, for the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. His provision is not just limited to now. It keeps going on hereafter. It does not end. And all of this is included in Abraham's prophecy. For all who will see God in Christ in the form of the crucified substitute, dying in her place on Mount Calvary, they will see God face to face. One day, Jehovah Jireh, we will meet Him. Just like those who already have in Revelation 5. Verse 6 to 9, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book... The four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, every one of them having harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain instead of us that is, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and people and tongue and nation. Isaiah said in thirty-three seventeen, thine eyes shall see the king. The Lord will be seen. They shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. What rejoicing in His presence. When are banished, grief and pain, all the things we need provision for today, when are banished, grief and pain, when the crooked ways are straightened, and the dark things shall be plain. The Lord, revelation, the Lord will be seen.